you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast is on the Nick Shook workout plan. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I see zero evidence that we are on any sort of a Nick Shook workout plan. He's like 255 pounds and built out of metal. This is the worst time of the year uh, for me personally. Like once this season starts to slog into the final month or so, it just like all for it's all falls apart physically. And then the, the beginning of the next year is built towards trying to get back to a level of respectability. And then the, the, the nasty cycle strikes again from very- training camp. <laughs> It's very similar with NFL coaches, I feel like. This is kind of when you yeah. know, the Bill Belichicks or Eric Mangini's, they just let their bodies go. It's December. Yeah, it's one of those things. <laughs> one of those things. Anyway, got Wes here. How are you feeling, Wes? I'm feeling good. Feeling yeah, good. We're, we're halfway home uh, on the chemo treatments. We're, That's great news. T- I have chemo tomorrow. I'm already dreading it. But I am by tomorrow, it will be my fifth of eight. So I'll be more than halfway home. Now, just so you, you know you're not alone on this journey. You have never have been. But just to hammer it home... I have a um, a dental cleaning on Friday, and I chip my back tooth uh, on some Nerds, the Nerds candy. <laughs> what are you doing eating this nerds? year? Yeah, I had some. They had they were in the break room, so I said, "Oh, I haven't had Nerds in a while." <laughs> so I, I tried to How old are you? immediately chip my back molar, and then when I was chewing on the Nerds, I was like, "Oh, some of these Nerds are a little crunchy." In retrospect, I was chewing on my own teeth. So that's what you get for having Nerds. At age 37. Chip tooth, a very, very small C, the chip tooth. Right. So, yeah, yeah. The, your larger point here is that you're go, under both going I ha- difficult yeah. things. I have to go somewhere and take care of something on Friday, Wes on Monday. Yeah, it's the chip C. I mean, we we spent about 18 seconds <laughs> on Wes's uh, toil, and then we went about a minute deep on your dental cleaning yeah, upcoming. But it wasn't about that, and okay. it is important to get a cleaning twice a year. Uh, just Thank you. We're all in this together, Wes. I like that. I, I don't feel so alone now, and that really puts some wind in my sails. There you go, Mark. Say, <laughs> now how do you feel? I go through all that work, and all you could do is bring heat on me, and I just made Wes uh, feel better about his situation. I feel fine. <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, yes, last time you heard from us, it was the Thanksgiving show. Mark, so happy to have you back here, by the way. I had a great time that night. Oh, yeah, you did. Listen, I feel like based on the tweets we received that the listeners enjoyed themselves as I well. would Let's definitely leave it right say there. you had a great time, uh, and we had a great time. Mark and I in the in the newsroom, just the two of us. That might be the first time we went through an NFL Sunday, just the two of us, since the pre-Rosenthal wrestling days, week 12 action. We were trying to figure it out, and I think you have to go back that far. Um, yes, here we are. And I would, I would recommend to listeners that haven't gone back or realized that we did a Thanksgiving night episode. I mean, this one's going to age well. You can go back now. Listen, you know, get the recaps of those games. Get it with this one. Yes, it will. Double download it. You know, you know how I would put it? That show will age like fine wine. <laughs> That's how I put it. Greg, of course, uh, he wasn't in the newsroom because he was in Los Angeles. Well, we're all in Los Angeles, but you were at 
the Los Angeles Coliseum covering Rams Saints. The game of the week. How about the team of ATL? Yeah, the team of ATL. In fact, we have all these games to get to, so let's not dilly-dally anymore. Lindsay, let's talk about the team of ATL and Greg's little jaunt. Jared Goff, he'll take the snap, drops back to pass, looks right, dances right, points right, throws to the middle, passes complete to Reynolds. Back of the end zone, touchdown Los Angeles. Jared Goff added again, 354 yards passing. Josh Reynolds had a touchdown. Sammy Watkins had a touchdown. And the Rams bounce back from a humbling loss in Minnesota, a 26-20 win over the Saints, who saw their uh, NFL best winning streak snapped at eight. Greg, yes, you were in the house at the Coliseum. Let me ask you a question. Start here. Okay. Was this a Rams, you know I love it, statement game? <laughs> I don't think it was. Unless you believe that they were frauds to begin with. I believe that this was an important bounce back game for them. They've done that after each one of their losses each year and I each uh, all season. But the games are going to keep getting bigger to me. And this wasn't a, hey, it's going to change the way I think about the Rams. What I liked most if I'm supporting the Rams, which I am, the team of ATL is good to see. Let's hear it. Come on, Lindsay. How many times do we have to say? I love that they won. The, you know, all the talk going into this game was the Saints are missing two cornerbacks, and the Rams definitely got enough done offensively. But they won this game with defense. The Saints had 13 points until a garbage time drive, and that was really off of one big play from Alvin Kamara. Other than that, they won the battle against the Saints' vaunted offensive line, whether it was in the passing game or the running game. It was a very balanced. It kind of felt like a playoff type of game. They're not going to win 41 to nine in the playoffs like they've been beating these bad teams. This was more like a playoff atmosphere. It's not. A- a statement game it's not a loser goes home game no this is a yardstick game Ooh, i like that you measure yourself against the saints because you've been beaten up on the likes of the cardinals uh the giants the, the texans teams. you lose to the vikings this is your yardstick game and they came up they measured up pretty well feels like they showed you today they can win in in different ways exactly. than just what you thought i mean I, you know, the, the the saints obviously have been on a on a you know a coaster ride in the best possible way but breeze has there been a game this season where he was, you know, took as much punishment and debt as much? They were right in his face. I mean, he could have thrown four interceptions in this game. In fact, I thought the very misleading box score. His numbers look fine, and yeah. he did not have a good game. And it was wasn't all his fault, but he also didn't play well. The thing that I took out of the game uh, with the Rams winning was that they could have really won this by more. They they did not play a perfect game. Their secondary there were several. There are at least two that, uh, that I'm thinking of right oh, on yeah. the line that were gimme interceptions, and I know cornerbacks and safeties don't have great hands as the story goes. Otherwise, they'd be wide receivers. But this game, I feel like if, if, there, was just a, and, uh, if there was just a little bit more execution by the Rams, it wouldn't have even been close, which really speaks to how well uh, they, how good the Rams can be when it's all humming. Because I don't even think it was today. Y- yardstick is a, a good way to put it because the, the thing that be, had become the MO for the Rams is other teams can be tougher than them, that they can lean on them, that they're lightweight. And what team has leaned on teams more than the Saints? And they tried to get the running game established today. It wasn't happening. Uh, you know, I did the locker room after the game, and I, I kind of asked what was you know the, the approach of the defensive line. Most of them were just like, well, it's a, life's a lot easier. Michael Brocker said this. Life's a lot easier when Aaron Donald's next to you. It's like that's the approach. And I watch them each and every week, and I think Aaron Donald is ultimately the best defensive player in the league. He doesn't seem to be getting a lot of love in, in terms of defensive player of the year. 
I think he should absolutely be in that mix. I, I wouldn't have a problem with plenty of other people, but I think this game was, was another example of what a difference he makes. And if I was a Saints fan, I'd be very worried because Teron Armstead, uh, Armstead left in this game. Robert Quinn dominated him throughout the game. And suddenly you're losing some big-time players. Marshawn Lattimore and Armstead are two of the most valuable guys on their team. Does this shatter the idea that when you go out and hire a head coach, I feel like people have been waiting for Sean McVay and this team in general to at some point kind of reveal themselves to be not what we think and maybe even collapse down the stretch. Nothing points to that. But if you're a team, you're just going to be five or six or seven of those teams looking for head coaches. Do you not care about the age anymore? I mean, the idea that you have to get this guy yeah. with all his experience, Sean McVay, or or is he just an unusual example of he's, someone that might have been one of the greatest hires we've seen? I think he's exceptional. He's the exception to the rule. He seems like a young Bill Walsh to me, and and I don't think you can count on, you know, for instance, the Chiefs offensive coordinator Nagy, who's a is a hot name, or or was. Yeah, or was on. I don't think you can count on guys just coming through like that and becoming Sean McVay. And having confidence, if you're Sean McVay, in your scheme to just put someone in. So Sammy Watkins lined up on a different side, on the strong side of the field for much of this game, uh, where Robert Woods would have had a very good game, four for 82, also a long pass interference. Cooper Cup, who had a, a poor game last week, played fantastic. And they stick in Josh Reynolds, who's a rookie that no one's ever heard of, and put him in a pretty big spot, and he ends up making big plays. This guy gets players open. I don't even think Goff played that well today. I mean, I think he was he was fine, but I think it's, it's kind of coaching. It's not just uh, McVay, it's Wade Phillips. The two of them combined is an incredible coaching tandem. It was a great, it was a great tandem hire for sure. Um, Greg, before we move on, mm. any other takeaways from just being there, being up close to the players, even the Coliseum? How's she holding up? What's going on? Well, it's, you know, the Coliseum's a little old, but it's you know, it's a fun. It's a little old. You know, it's an old, <laughs> it's an old away. atmosphere. I get that. A lot of Saints fans there. The the Rams crowd gets a lot of grief. They were making noise too, but this it was pretty loud on that Camara touchdown. That that stuck out. It's it's not the same sort of home field advantage. And you know what do you what do you expect? You you know what I mean? I know that you know who you know who's at the game, the Paramore. I saw her at the office before kickoff, and she didn't look well. I said, "Are you okay?" She said, "Like I'm so nervous that my stomach's bothering me." That's mm. a real fan. Mm. Her stomach's been bothering her for a while. I think it might be contagious. I don't know. I, I enjoy how you downplay oh, that wait, massively. Let's, let's hope not. Before we do move yes. on, uh, we don't want to forget uh, someone locked this game up. Oh! The team of ATL! You are messing with your draft standings. You oh, know what? That. That's true. The tank. The tank. <laughs> I guess. Tank situation not going too well right Have now. Have you won three in a row? This is they're going to make a movie out of this. You try to tank <laughs> well, and then are you in now? You're going for the crown because I've lost. No, three. you're going to make a I'm, home movie out of it. We'll decide how what sort of <laughs> draw that gets at the theater. Let's move on. Wentz in the gun takes the snap. Wentz fires out in the flat to Aguilar. Aguilar across the ten, across the five. He leaps. He's in. Touchdown. There he is. Nelson Aguilar. Merrill Reese, WIP. Oh, I should say JB Long, KSPN with that first call. Anyway, Reese with that one. Carson Wentz threw three more touchdown passes, including that hookup with Nelson Aguilar. And the Eagles stomped the Bears 31-3, their ninth straight win. How about that? Nine straight wins. The Eagles are an NFL best 10-1. Uh, Mr. Sessler, the quiet storm. The sizzler. The Eagles are a fully armored tank against toy soldiers right now. I... I love watching this team, and we just talked about two major NFC contenders. 
But to me, this is the team that reminds me, and we talked about this in our Sky Sports hit, Dan, in the Crikey. evening, that you talked about the old Giants teams. This reminds me of being on the East Coast growing up. And you know what? After you'd get through the early, early day action at 1 p.m., you'd always get those late 80s Niners teams that would come on at 4 p.m. and just throttle the opposition <laughs> week after people. week. And it was like, yes, again, with, that, with those teams and with this one, it's always the quarterback, the quarterback and his weapons on offense. But this is a team, the Eagles, that just held the Bears to six yards rushing, their second lowest total in that franchise's long-storied history. It's not just offense. They are destroying people in multiple varied ways. They are fun to watch. I don't see an overt weakness. Carson Wentz grows weakly in chemistry with his many targets. Legary Blunt had a I think he had a tough start to this game, but then by the time the thing rounds out, he's just hammering people. The thing is working. Doug Pete, you want Sean McVay? Great season. How about the people that called Doug Peterson not an NFL coach before the year? Well, who I think that? you're wrong. Who are who are those people? Mike Lombardi Was did. Others. My, are you, you can't. I, I don't know where that criticism <laughs> came from. But <laughs> well, you just said a, you just said where it came from. I just wanted a, you to say it. I, where where his idea of it came. from. Oh, okay. Because um, this has been a fascinating pushback in his face pretty vehemently. My. Uh, you only can play your schedule, and we're going to get a test at Seattle next week, at L.A. the ne- the week after that, taking nothing away from the Eagles. But they have had a nice little stretch here to, to really to armor up here. I mean, you had home against the Redskins, home against the Niners, home against the Broncos, at Cowboys, and, and the Cowboys at their lowest point, and now the Bears, and they take care of business against all those games. I'm looking forward to, Wes, seeing them now against another Titan, which we're going to start seeing coming up now. Oh, yeah, and, I, and I've known from the past five years that the highest compliment in Mark's arsenal is comparing a team to the late 80s 49ers. <laughs> that, that means Mark's been chasing that the vision of that team ever since. <laughs> this may be it closer. This dreams. may be closer than other examples I painted. Well, you save this compliment for juggernaut teams, and right now, I, I think for the last two months, this, this Eagles team has proven to be the most well-rounded team in the NFL. They're... Between the way Carson Wentz is playing, the running game offensive line, and then that defensive line is exceptional. The secondary has way outperformed expectations this year. That was supposed to be a weak spot, and it just hasn't been. Well, they, I think it's the best front four in the league. And you combine that with the way Wentz is playing, and you bring in a guy like Jay Ajayi, and he's not even that big a factor. I mean, he had five runs in this game, that you know, one, one more than Clement, ten less than Blunt. Just the, I think that's the way to do it in the NFL, that you have guys that can have a varied skill set and you bring them in whenever you need them. One Bears note. I mean, I, I think with Mitch Trubisky, I, it, it, with what's around him, I almost want to reserve some judgment until we see a more fully four team around him. But this was a step back for him. He got zero. I don't think it's good formula when you're not getting any help from your backfield or essentially anyone on the receiving core, but it was a step back for him. I see a lot of... Uh, what happened with Jared Goff and Jeff Fisher in the John Fox, oh, yeah. uh, Mitch Trubisky situation. So just like I think a lot of us in this room kind of gave Jared Goff a mulligan, kind of look forward to and hoping the Bears get it right and hire an offensive-minded coach, hopefully is half as good as what they've been able to do in L.A., Maybe we'll see how that works out because it looks like he's in a no-win situation right now. You can even extend it to Carson Wentz's rookie season. Doug Peterson made the same comparison last week in mm. an article Mark wrote that he sees a lot of Carson Wentz and Mitch Trubisky. Mm. And if you recall, Carson Wentz's receivers were terrible last year. His offensive line cratered down the stretch, and he he had a lot of games like this game that Trubisky had today. Mark, keep chasing those Niners in your dreams. 
I mean, I don't, you know, I, I enjoyed the night terrors. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's one of the great franchise, you know, runs of all time. Often I'll be hanging out with Mark. We'll be at the bar or downstairs. And Mark will just be like lost in thought a thousand miles away. And I'll be like, what's up, Mark? And you're like, oh, I was just thinking about the 89.9. No, more fiction. More fictional <laughs> I mean, accounts. It, it, it goes to that. It's the same thing with like catches in the 80s. Like everything was better in the 80s. That's what it was. <laughs> well, Greg, I, I, I think that Wes and I both stand by <laughs> By that point. All right, let's move on. Wait, what? <laughs> well, that was the tip we got into with Greg a couple weeks ago. Oh, right. Where right. Even, even another Wesleyan had to come out and defend Greg in the middle of all that. I saw on Twitter. He got shot down promptly. <laughs> all right, let's go. McCown. Guys lost Coleman it. coming on a blitz. Oh, Yanked down by Horton. Fumble the ball. Picked up by the Panthers. Carolina scoops it. Keekley off to the races. To the 10, the 5. Touchdown. And who is what? that what guy, Keekley? What was that? <laughs> I like that. Put that in the top ten, perhaps. Really? Missed about three letters in that word. Uh, Mick Nixon with the call. WBT. Um, Josh McCown coughed it up. Luke Keekley scooped and scored. Uh, It was the game-turning play in a Panthers 35-27 win over the New York Jets, who once again let a fourth-quarter lead slip away in painful fashion, for me anyway. Um, the Panthers, gentlemen, should send a send the, send the Jets a thank you note after this one. Cam Newton could not get anything going all day. Eleven of twenty-seven passing, mm. less than three hundred yards of total offense. Uh, but the Jets just killed themselves with mistakes, um, penalties, uh, that turnover. Uh, you know, just stupid, stupid plays, and just and. A special, a special teams breakdown on a punt return for a touchdown that happened uh, about 70 seconds of game time after. Um, so the Panthers get, get deserve the credit. They go on the road and, and make those type of plays to steal a game that they really were outplayed in uh, most of the way. And uh, in terms of the worst situation, the worst thing to come out of this for the Panthers, and I have not heard yet um, – how serious it may be, but Greg Olson, who made his return after missing more than two months with that broken foot, exited the game in the third quarter after aggravating uh, the injury. So we'll see how serious that is. So the Panthers moved to eight and three uh, in a game where they didn't play that well, but the Jets found a way to give them a win. I mean, yeah, I, the concern for the for Carolina is that after what we saw the last two weeks, where I was somewhat convinced they had transformed their offense and become sort of a ground and pound operation that could just, you know, impose their will on defenses. That did not happen today. And in their defense, a pair of 100-yard receivers. I mean, Josh McCown, it's never perfect, but this offense, like with Josh McCown, hung in this thing until the end. If it weren't for the turnovers, they would have won this game. This is different than a lot of Jets games where the they kept it close despite really being outgained quite a bit. This is a game where it seems like they outplayed the Panthers, and it's a huge win. I mean, in the AFC, I mean, the Jets could have been right back in this wild card mix, but it's a huge win for Carolina because they're going to New Orleans next week, now tied for the division lead. It's it's snuck up a little that the Panthers are 8-3, and three, despite not looking that great. That's a great record, and that sets up a, a chance to go win the NFC South if you can win in New Orleans. Yeah, you'll watch this game, and there have been, even though they won again, and there there have been some bad weeks, of course, for the, the Panthers mixed in with all these victories, and you think Think to yourself, at least I do, the Saints are a better team, and I expect them to end up taking this division. But the Panthers are going to make the playoffs. Uh, as for the Jets, yeah, this was the Jetsiest Jets game in some time. Uh, they've blown a lot of fourth-quarter leads this year. 
Um, but this one was one of those games where it got a little bit comical at times, uh, tragic comedy with how the way they shot themselves in the foot and cont- kept sucking in the fan base. Even the last um, – You were uh, into stand. this game. Of course. How yeah, could I not be? The last, like a, I'm a Denver back Jets game. Back-and-forth game, too. Yeah, it was a back-and-forth game. The last play, they get a stop. They use up their, t- their timeouts. It's third, third and long. Panthers around midfield. Uh, they get a stop, and the uh, roughing the passer penalty – Ends the game, essentially, um, uh, for the Jets. It was a stupid play, a deserved flag, and that's how they end the game. In fact, before we move on, um, on, the, on, the, on that note, and um, I want to check in with Keith Hanses. It's been a while. Uh, let's see how he's doing after the Jets now 4-7 and seven basically fall out of contention entirely in the AFC. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it. Week 13 uh, was another frustrating loss for the Jets. I think you can pinpoint it to the fourth quarter again. Uh, they played pretty tough for the three quarters and once again faded. In particular, it seems McGowan is not the same QB in the fourth quarter. His fumble was a key play in the game. Uh, I don't know why he just didn't tuck it instead of trying to pass it in that situation. And the penalties that keep happening to the Jets. In particular, they played the killer at the end, the uh, roughing of the passer. I mean, why did he pull that guy right then and there and say something like you've seen <laughs> other coaches do? It just showed to me, uh, once again, Bowles not being on top of the action when they needed to be at the end and another tough loss fading in the fourth quarter. There you go, Keith Hansis. Uh, you know, I have to. I'm going to talk to my dad. He's kind of keeping it together there, and he's not expressing how angry he was. I know my dad. I watched hundreds of Jets games. I bet he was screaming at that TV today. Mm. You want him to bring that that angst to the show? I well, I want an, an honest. Um, I I think he's giving information about how he feel how he feels, but I think he was way angry. You're saying like, down in that phone. like all the money and the fame that he's accrued mm. from being on this show, it's softening him up a little bit. Well, he has he has earned worldwide fame in millions of dollars. Yes, so maybe that is it. Anyway, so the Jets go down. Robbie Anderson, two more touchdowns. By the way, he is a bright what a spot guy. for them. Let us move on. And now the wild bean is in place. Mohamed Sanu in the gun. Sanu juggled it. Now going to throw it. Tee it up for Julio Jones. Julio's there and it's caught. Touchdown Atlanta. Sanu. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, indeed. Uh, West Durham WZG with the call. Julio Jones finally went nuts. The all-world wide receiver had 12 catches for 253 yards and two scores, including that rainbow strike for Mosa New. He's good at that. As the Falcon, Falcons kept up their winning ways, a 34-20 conquest over the Bucks. we now welcome in Nick Shook, who is so close to a fitted ATN podcast pullover that he can taste it. Nick. Smell the polyester. <laughs> it's almost there. The sweat wicking technology. Shook, uh, we were saying just last week that Julio Jones' domination was the missing piece of this Atlanta offense. Not anymore. No, big big game for Julio Jones, huh? 12 catches, uh, 253 yards receiving, a couple touchdowns, a little bit of Julio that we knew from before, and long overdue. And here's the thing. 
you know, you said that was the missing piece from the Falcons' offense. Well, since he contributed, everything else just seemed to work flawlessly. And, and, and suddenly, Steve Sarkeesian looked just as genius a play caller as Kyle Shanahan did last hmm. year. I mean, let's calm down. They were playing the Bucs. No, we're riding the hyperbole. I mean, they're just saying it was one week. <laughs> we're I riding guess it. for one week. Ride that train. They, they did go over 500 yards. Who was he? Was he matched up against Grimes for most of the day? Yeah, for the most part. Ooh, you like that, don't you? Tough day. Feels good, doesn't it, Greg? <laughs> There ain't no tweets coming from Miko today, and Greg likes it. A quiet Twitter feed. But if you do want to reach out to someone, Greg Rosenthal, no, don't. available Greg on Rosenthal. Twitter for your comments. Two Gs, of course. Three in total, actually. 60%. <laughs> Other thoughts about the game, Mr. Shook? This was probably the Falcons' most complete game, at least offensively, uh, of this season. And it seems like with their recent stretch that they're only trending upward, which should make the Saints a little scared. They should shake in their boots a little bit because... This Falcons team is starting to look a little bit similar to the team from last year. Well, and they play the Saints twice in the last four weeks of the season. Yeah. And they close out with the Panthers. So the it, Falcons are going to have a chance to win this division. It's the most interesting division down the stretch. And I nothing would shock me, especially with the Saints having really important injuries. And the Falcons, they're absolutely playing their best the last few weeks that, that they've played all season. But yeah, th- you got back-to-back 34-point outputs and last year, last week against the Seahawks, when they talked about Dan Quinn saying, we truly believe that the offense is close, that it's, it, it's sometimes that's just total lip service before a national game, it seems to be real. And yet, they're, they're a team that is up 27-6, to six, right, in this game? Yeah. And then I believe at one point the Bucks had the ball only down a touchdown yeah, did. and driving to make. So it's here's like, the thing. Here's the thing, though. I just want to say, that was the point I was about to make, was that, Yes, that did. they did get it tight, but to their credit, and I didn't give them credit last week because I think they got saved a little bit by Pete Carroll and company and Russell Wilson, but they did get the stop, and then they did put the game away, and that's something you need to see from the Falcons for obvious reasons. Yeah, you know, they got in that one of those situations where you dominate a first half and you think you've got this team basically dead to rights and you coast a little bit and suddenly you realize, oh, we're playing professional football. These guys aren't just going to go down that easy since they're down two scores at halftime. The Buccaneers came back. But the guy who scored the final touchdown is the guy who I've been a huge fan of for them in recent weeks. And without Devontae Freeman, he's really gotten the opportunity to shine a little bit, and that's Tevin Coleman. And I think he had one of his best games of this year uh, today, and he showed why he, you know he's an important part of this offense. He wasn't getting a lot of looks before. Um, they weren't really going to their running backs that much to begin with, but he was, you know, he was only getting what three, four, five carries a game at the most. You know, a few targets in the passing game. He wasn't getting a lot of a, a lot of looks. And then when he finally does, he serves as a big difference for this team. Yeah, big win for the uh, Falcons. Now seven and four. Um, we checked out the NFC. Now let's see what's going on in the AFC. In the shotgun, the snap to Alex Smith. Looks right. It is picked off. It is intercepted. Going back the other way. It is Tredavious White at the 35. And he's still on the run inside the 25. Cuts to his right at the 15. At the 10. He is down at the 10-yard line. Trey Day. Trey Day. Trey Day. Tredavious White. Unbelievable. Mm. (laughs) Let's clip that one off. Let's just put it in consideration. I just like names being repeated over and over. He's feeling himself, yep. Feeling himself. That right there was John Murphy of WGR. Yes, Tredavious White's interception ended a last gasp rally for the Kansas City Chiefs, who continued their free fall, a 16-10 loss to Tyrod Taylor. Yes, Tyrod Taylor. And the Bills at Arrowhead. Oh, my goodness. Once 5-0. 
The Chiefs are now 6-5, and five, and even, even the division lead is no longer safe. Wes, is it Mahomes' time? No, it's not Mahomes' time. Andy Reid said after the game that he didn't consider pulling Alex Smith and won't consider benching him, and I don't blame him. I don't know why anybody thinks that Patrick Mahomes is ready to lead this offense or make uh, adjustments at the line of scrimmage like Alex Smith can. And, and I think the problems lie much deeper, especially in a running game that doesn't exist and Andy Reid doesn't trust. And mm. Kareem Hunt averaged 122 yards and 6.3 yards per carry in the first five games. Since Pittsburgh, he's averaged 47 yards and 3.2 yards per carry. The running game is part of the problem. The offensive line is part of the problem. And all those early season throws downfield that Alex Smith was making and were out of character, he's not making them anymore. Or at least they're not connecting anymore. This offense is increasingly horizontal with most plays going toward the sideline instead of down the field. I mean, defenses have caught up to this offense. Well, Travis Kelsey mentioned in the past week, Defenses are playing cover two on them uh, and basically taking away Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and stuffing the box. So they want guys like Albert Wilson to beat them, uh, Demarcus Robinson, and, and those guys aren't able to beat to beat defense. I mean, if you can't run on the Bills, who can you run on? I mean, this was the worst run defense. Wilton High School, that, maybe? That we've <laughs> seen in, in all season over the last three weeks. So for Hunt to have 17 yards on 11 carries against the Bills after this stretch is as, is shocking to me. 236 yards of total offense. That's the case, uh, although what you're saying, Wes, makes sense. The case for Mahomes is a once extremely promising season has gone off the rails, and perhaps uh, Alex Smith is frustrating the staff enough, obviously frustrating the fans at this point enough, where maybe, not that the fans, that matters, but maybe the decision is made, we need a shot in the arm on offense before the season gets away from us. And who knows? Yes, Smith obviously has mastered the offense, um, but maybe Mahomes has a Deshaun Watson type effect, not at that level, but as a guy that can change things a little bit. Well, I think a lot of the problems here are characteristic of an Andy Reid offense that, you know, like you guys said, struggles to run the ball, but also is relying on receivers who aren't really that great. I mean, other than... You know, you got Tyreek Hill, who's only in his second year. I mean, these guys aren't really that proven, and they're they're not the kind of guys you see on paper, and you think, wow, you know, we're well, really going to have a that's problem. That's not fair, though, because uh, a month ago we were saying how they have all these weapons, and Tyreek Hill's a star, Travis Kelsey's a stud, and Kareem Hunt's a total, like, rookie of the year MVP candidate. So I, I think the weapons are there. That's why this has been so strange to me. Well, I think the problem is, is since they can't run the football, it makes them, you know, you, they're going to try and find success in the right. passing game, and they don't have those guys there that can really make that difference outside of a guy like Kelsey. And Hill, you know, it's only his second year, so we really can't say that for certain, even though he's obviously shown plenty of examples of that he can do that. But this is also what they were doing last year. They were trying to, you know, succeed by passes 10 yards and in and, and playing the perimeter. The only difference then was it was working, and it's not now. I'm all about Mahomes. Loved him in the preseason, but I don't think it's the right time to make any sort of a switch. You're 6-5, and five, and you have to trust Alex Smith to make adjustments and get you back he's, on track. He's earned that long of a rope, I can, think. Yeah. Can we give uh, Tyrod a little love, Wes, after <laughs> this performance? I know they didn't light it up offensively. You asking for a lollipop here? Yeah. Do we get a lollipop <laughs> for Tyrod? You tell me. I'm asking you. You're the lollipop <laughs> distributor. I don't give I don't give out lollipops for scoring sixteen points. Okay. I feel like there was a Wizard of Oz bit in there you could have cashed in on. Could have gone I, down, I gone down either, that, so. that, that road. This is Tyrod Taylor. What he does is he doesn't implode, which, you know, 
It's, that's underrated, by the way. It's it's tough. It is. That's totally you get paid underrated. like fifteen million dollars a year. I for, like zero interceptions better than five. I guess my point is he was put in a very difficult and unfair career spot, I would say, and there was a lot going on around him. And the second he came in last week, I know it was a blowout, and they, they were way down. They score seventeen points in the second half. He comes in. And I, we were talking the, like the Bills, like their season is over, and we can think that, but their season isn't over. They're six and five, and right now they're in a, a chance for a playoffs and getting a win on the road. It's like in the AFC, each one of these wins is so big. You only need to get about three more if you're the Bills. They're, they're in the mix in spite of themselves. Right. That's what I mean. I think as frustrating as Tyrod can be for leaving plays on the field, that's why everybody had the problem with, with turning to Peterman because they were still in the mix. And no turnovers today. Tyrod Taylor, you know, he, he is who he is. He, I don't know. He's about the 20th best quarterback in the league, and that's good enough to get the Bills in a wild card spot for a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in the 21st century. I think this game, uh, this game itself is so indicative of what we're dealing with in the AFC as a whole right now because yeah. you look at the Bills. They're 6-5. and five, Their record says they're in contention, but and they won this game today, but when I watch them, I'm not sitting there thinking, man, these guys are really going to make a run. And I thought that about the Chiefs early in the season. In the last month, they've shown me every reason that I need to have to think that they're also not in I would contention. say you could nuke three-quarters of the conference and we wouldn't miss a thing. That's, that's a lot of death. I mean, that would be a lot of <laughs> tragedy and pain for It would families. be definitive. Mark would win a sandwich, though, because he, he is pulling for a week of canceled games. You have a yeah, not pulling for it. You, it was a prediction. I, yeah, we went through the Go Get My Lunch, uh, which people should check out, gogetmylunch.org. You had some you had some crazy ones. You're in trouble, Mark. And Wes could have the best oh, Go see, Get My so Lunch. So are you, actually. I'm in trouble, too. Well, let's stick a pin in that. One Wes. last thing. This feels like the nadir for the Chiefs this season. They had one first down in the first half. The first time the Bills' defense has held an offense to that total since 2001, and Alex Smith was stuck on seven passing yards for the first 25 minutes of this game. Oh he had a chance, two chances down the stretch in the last three minutes to to either win or at least bring the offense down the field, and he couldn't do it. Well, there's the logic for sticking with Alex Smith. It can only go up from here. Oh, Shook, um, it's time to say goodbye. Any update, um, Linz, behind the glass on – the pullover. We're working on it. Hopefully, working Nick on. and myself will have one. You both deserve <laughs> early them. Early December. Early December. That's what I was told. Early December. Oh, wow. Nick, Nick so, wants an around the NFL pullover. That's what we're looking for. Yep. Little, little crisp. Medium. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you know that's that's the running joke. Everybody thinks I wear like a size too small. But <laughs> here comes the humble brag. The, with the, fr- <laughs> it's hard to buy. Our arms are too big. It's hard to buy shirts and it's hard to buy jeans. Okay. I am I am not normally shaped like the you know. No, no, know. you are not I'm, a normal. I'm gonna, gonna leave that one there. You're a Superman, Nick <laughs> Shook. Thank you. Until next week. There he goes. Always believe the shirt says. Maybe he's referring to the Browns. Let me say one thing about the Shook family real fast. Yeah. Yesterday, just hanging around my house, I got a Facebook message from Greg Shook, his father, saying, Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you're doing well. How about that? Good family. How many people do that? That's that's an unusual move in 2017. Shout out to Greg Shook. One G or two? One. Ooh. Shot against Greg. Rosenthal. (laughs) I like, you know, we want the 60% Gs to stay rare. All right. Let's uh, check in on the throne of ease. Second and 13 now for the Patriots. Backed up to the 15. Brady's in the gut. Takes the snap. Bounces to the pocket. Hit as he throws left. Touchdown! Yeah! Rob Gronkowski! <laughs> in your second face! Of the day. In your face! Now, this is a, produ- this is a professional radio show. Brady gets drilled. It gets right up. It says keep bringing it. Please keep blitzing our quarterback. Is that Zolak? Yeah. Who else could it be? 
Honestly, who else could it be? You guys are coming to me for the Thanksgiving show. What does this guy do on a weekly basis with these <laughs> hyperbole? Um, yeah, let's clip that one off, Lindsay. Uh, Bob Soshi and, yes, Scott Zolak, WBZ, with the call. Tom Brady threw four more touchdown passes, including a pair to his buddy Gronk, and the Patriots strolled to a, 37, a 35-17 win over the Dolphins, who have lost five straight games. Uh, the Pats, meanwhile, have run their winning streak to seven after that disastrous 2-2 two and two start. Um, all right, you're going to expect me, because I did watch this game for the podcast, you're going to expect me to take a bunch of pot shots unnecessarily towards the Pats. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's hard at this point. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I could, No, don't underestimate me. I could always find a way, <laughs> but I won't. Because you know what? Sometimes, if you catch me on the right day, I really do appreciate Tom Brady. It's one of those days. I just I love feel like you're, you've set a trap here on some level for us. Nope, not at all. Okay. Tom Brady, uh, first of all, he made a little history today uh, the, to the 240-somethings here, um, Wes and Seth. <laughs> Excuse me. What, what? What? Did I say something that was not true? Could have gone mid-40s Let, if let's you wanted to be I would, know, not I would <laughs> say nice. that the body of Tom Brady is holding up a lot better than the bodies of Sessler and Wesley. <laughs> anyway, he has 26 touchdown passes this season, 11 games in. Uh, that is already an NFL record um, for um, a player after turning 40 years old. Wow. Uh, breaking a, a record previously shared by... Come on, guys. Warren Moon. And... Brett Favre. There Favre. you go. Anyway, Brady, yes. He's a joy to watch. And, and it was um, his pocket movement, which we talk about all the time on the show. Um, again, it's just amazing what he's doing and his ability to kind of seems like he's playing with everything, everybody else in slow motion, and he, he'll like weave through a pocket and then set himself up and put a throw in the air right before the line of scrimmage. I'm telling you, today, one of those days, I'm, I'm making peace of it. Nothing makes sense anymore. Tommy Boy, an all-time great. In your face! <laughs> all, all time. Um, as, as far as this game goes, not the cleanest game by the Pats. There was a actually a defensive score by the Dolphins when the center snapped one past Brady. That was ugly. Uh, which was ugly, and there were some penalties. Not, not the prettiest game, uh, but the, the Pats just took care of business. In fact, for the second straight week, Miami got a three and out, or the opponent gets a three and out against the uh, Patriots. Last week it was the muff punt, right? That then led to seven, and, and the Pats, Pats were off and running. This week, a beautifully executed fake punt run. Patriots go on to score and never look back. Uh, so the Patriots take care of business. They're cruising at nine and two. Look at this backfield. Every week it's a different cast of characters. Deion Lewis, 112 yards. Rex Burkhead, 50. Two touchdowns for Rex Burkhead. I mean, they're both playing really well right yep. now. They have it perfectly set up. Uh, Gillisley can't even get activated anymore. James White is forgotten, but they, they have a perfect one-two punch back there. It's Belichick's dream, which is running backs that can run any play that you call. So they are all third down backs. James White is a goal line back. He, won, he ran the biggest play in, in Patriots history on the goal line. They're confident in any one of those guys to run any play and to be a mismatch with any linebackers. It's almost like they're interchangeable. I mean, you Lewis is ultimately the lead guy right now, but it won't surprise me if in the playoffs someone someone else is. I don't think their offense is as purely as explosive as, it, as it's been in the past couple of years, 
but they seem to be more effective. And I think part of that is they're not trying to score in a hurry because it, yes. it, it hurts their defense when they do that. But this is a team that finally did not score right before the half this week. Instead, they scored to open the season. They've now scored as many opening drive touchdowns as any team in the league this year. They just score whenever they want to. They, it's crazy they had done that seven straight games. And you mentioned uh, you know Brady playing as well at 40 as ever. Carson Wentz and Tom Brady both are at over 25 touchdowns with only five interceptions. They're only two of the three quarterbacks in NFL history wow. to do that through three games. Oh. To do I mean, through through eleven games. Tom Brady has now done it three times. This is the third time in his career. Rodgers has done it twice, and now Wentz has done it as well. It's crazy. Pretty amazing. Mm. Pretty amazing. And one last stat before we move on that was equally. Um, Impressive. By the way, Brady's got a chance of being the first 40-40 guy in football. That's 40, a thing. 40 years old, 40 touchdown passes. Like the idea of it. He's on pace for 38. Uh, one last note. 16th multi-touchdown game by Gronkowski. That sets a franchise record. Did you know Randy Moss held that record? He had 15. And he played, what, three years? Three years. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. Had, it's crazy. And, then, of and on this team, and I know we should go, I think Cook's has had the biggest impact of any free agent offensive player that they have added since Randy Moss. I do not know where this offense would be without Brandon Cook. Fit in really he has well. been as valuable as just about anyone. Um, also, um, I want to hear some sound from Belichick after this game. Let's listen. Given the score, did you have any thought of taking Tom so out uh, late in the game, You know, particularly given the hits he was taking? What, on the kneel downs? I mean, what difference does it make? No, before that. No. <laughs> did no. you see Gronk hey. after the game? When he was uh, asked about No, the, what did he say? Brandon Cooks jumped on his back, and there was some kind of like horse riding celebration. And the reporters asked Gronk about it, and he's like, look, I, I don't want to talk about it because we got in trouble for that. We're not allowed to celebrate. And he's like, oh my I kind of want to talk about it because it's fun, <laughs> but I don't want to get in trouble. And he's just – he could tell Gronk was really conflicted. He's a child. And he was smiling the whole time because he had fun with his celebration. But, you know, was, you know I think Bill, Belichick – what did he say during the week when he was asked about celebrations? We, don't, we, don't, we practice football, not halftime shows. I'm coming yeah. so close to throwing a perfect game, no pot shots, and you're teeing that one up for me. I, <laughs> I won't take the bait, no. Wes. I need you. You're too positive. <laughs> Gronk finds a way to celebrate after they win the Super Bowl each year. So, um, And one final note, um, this more evidence that we should just shut down operations uh, between the draft and eh, week five, week six, the regular season. That seems, uh, that uh, seems strange. Jarvis Landry and an ATN post from this spring uh, <laughs> said that the Dolphins will sweep the, the Patriots in 2017, Landry had this to say, Coach Gase, he's flipped the switch with us. New England won the division 14 in the last 16 years, something like that. It's ridiculous. It's a problem. We cannot let that happen anymore. What I've seen is when we play the game, sometimes we focus on the guys on the other side of the line instead of just focusing on us. And I want to be part of the change. I want to go into the games against New England expecting to win. That's something we need to do. In I, your face! I appreciate what he's saying. I don't know why we needed to write an article about that. <laughs> Take it up with Kevin Patra. I, well, Patrick's being told to do certain things. I believe the Bra- the Dolphins have held a lead for fewer <laughs> minutes this year than any team but the Browns. Mm, so you're good. still the little brother of the Patriots. Let's move on. Justin Drescher is the snapper. Andy Lee, the holder. This one is on target, and it is good. Wow. One second left. 
as Dawson has kicked Arizona in front. Phil Dawson split the uprights from 57 yards away, and the Cardinals took advantage of the latest Greek tragedy of a fourth-quarter interception by Blake Bortles, a 27-24 win over the Jaguars. Chris Wessling, the Jags' winning streak was snapped, uh, and they are no longer alone in first place in the AFC South. Whoa, cause for alarm? Well, it, <laughs> their defense is definitely good enough to win a Super Bowl. But, yes, it's cause for alarm that Blake Bortles is his team's quarterback and his head coach doesn't trust him. He didn't trust him to even attempt a game-winning field goal drive with just over a minute left. They ran a they, – they pulled off a run on the first play, let the clock bleed. Ugh. And then it looked like Marone got caught, like, hedging his bets on whether he wanted mm. to play for overtime or not. Called a pass on the next play. So the clock stops, and they end up leaving enough time on the clock for Blaine Gabbert to hit two sideline passes and Dawson to drill a 57-yard field goal. I think it's telling that Arians had a lot more faith in Blaine Gabbert than Doug Marone had in Blake Bortles. And Bortles used his legs in this game, but his passing was atrocious. He got away with a couple of near interceptions. He fumbled a ball on a scramble near the goal line that he recovered. Uh, a few mistakes early in the game didn't really haunt them, but the Cardinals really outplayed the Jaguars today. They had more than 100 uh, more yards than, than, the, than the Jaguars, and, and a big part of that is Bortles because the defense had some game-changing plays. Yannick Ngakwe, who leads the NFL in, in uh, forced fumble since he entered the league, had another one that became a Calais Campbell wow. touchdown. <laughs> Yeah, I, and Blaine Gabbert really played well. He had a couple of turnovers that could have been backbreakers, but he played well, and he was money in those two-play two sequence down the stretch there. Like it only well last week, too. Yeah, I mean, it's like I think we were saying for weeks, why is Drew Stanton in here? It's, when no, it's no contest. It's it just seems like you He was left of, in the lineup maybe two weeks too long, as it looks. I, I think, yeah, out. I mean, but Arians was, was, was gushing over Gabbert in the preseason. So the decision always made, you know, confuse me. And with Bortles, real quick, I feel like there have been games where Bortles is Bortles, but they were dominating teams uh, with the run, and they were dominating teams on defense, where it's not that you're hiding him, but you effectively are hiding him. And it, we, in the last three weeks, we've seen examples where it just it's not going to last. And again, yeah, if you get... Like we've been saying, if you get ahead and you use that defense, Blake Bortles is okay. If, if you're playing from behind and you're the Jaguars, you're in trouble with Blake Bortles. But also this is an example in this game. Uh, when you're, If you're in a dogfight, you better not trust Blake Bortles. That interception that he threw, 247 to play, uh, they're at the Arizona 38. They're about you know 5 to 10 yards away from a field goal. And, and, and Honey Badger, who played a really good game, um, stepped up and made an excellent play. But... Bordo, this, keep, this keeps on popping up week after week. And how can you take the Jags seriously? And, and you saw what a problem what it was. It was that he turned his head coach into a basket case with the game on the line. Mm. And and all of that is absolutely true about about Bortles, and it gives them such a small margin for error. But they're just not going to win many games where Fournette is 12 for 25. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that's on Fournette or whatever the reason is. Obviously, Bortles makes him it tougher for him to run. Chandler Jones was a big reason. Right. They're they're not gonna they're just not gonna win games when he's 12 for 25. And you said they're good enough to win the Super Bowl on defense. I I don't know if that was true today. You give up 355 yards to the Cardinals. Look, I know they didn't get when dominated. When you're playing Blaine Gabbert, those things happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cardinals, by the way, five and six. We forked him. But that doesn't mean they're necessarily totally dead. And we'll give the last word here to Bruce Arians. Don't bury us quite yet, Bick. 
Let's move on. The heck? Ivy Dan Bickley, right? The fullback is Murray. Give. Murray. Diving at left guard. Yes, sir. Touchdown! <laughs> Titans! What a drive! Was that human? These, uh, what was happening in the these back? These announcers are really eating their oats today. Can we hear that one again? <laughs> I, I love the Titans announcer. That's my key. High formation. Way. The fullback is Murray. Give. Murray. Diving at left guard. Yes, sir. <laughs> Titan! Titan! Clip it off. Wow, we're, we're doing a lot of clipping today. I like it. Mike Keith, WGFX with the call. DeMarco Murray scored on a one-yard touchdown run with less than six minutes to play, sealing a 20-16 to come-from-behind win uh, for the Titans over the Colts. Uh, Mr. Rosenthal, uh, Tennessee wasn't pretty, but we're used to that by now. Still, an important win. A huge win, and all of a sudden, the Titans, with their soft schedule, are tied for first place. They are, and yet, I feel like the Titans should feel less confident about their team after this win than after any of their other ugly wins that they've had. And they've had quite a few. To respond after getting embarrassed on national TV and get outplayed by the Colts for most of this game have Mariota throw a couple interceptions early and really not have any, I thought they didn't have much of a chance to win this game until Marlon Mack fumbled the ball with a 10 point lead deep in his own. end. that set up a short Titans touchdown and turned the game around. Yeah, they deserve a little bit of credit, but this team is broken in terms of their running game. They had negative three yards on 12 carries between their running backs late in the third quarter. And they ended up being able to run in the fourth quarter. You got to give them some credit. But the but I, I just don't see this continuing for very long. Like, the offense just isn't right. It's been a season-long problem. And you have to question the coaching staff. Why have they not sat DeMarco Murray down for a full month or so to make sure that hamstring is right? He's been a tremendous liability for this team. Please tell me they're going to go with Derrick Henry going forward. They split it up today. They gave it to Henry in the key spots, which I think was telling. It's kind of like when the Saints needed to play today, they kept going to Kamara. Ingram was on, you know, that was their guy when it really mattered, and that was the case for Henry. And, and for the Colts, they're 3-8, and eight and they're not good, but they really have had an under-the-radar excruciating season. I think this is four leads they've blown in the fourth quarter. They have been ahead and in positions to win so many times, and seemingly playing really hard, and they just they just look like a team that chokes. Like it's, they just don't show up in the final 10 minutes. It's heartbreaking for the players and coaches and, and wonderful news for the fan base because they'll have a better draft pick. Uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, the stat sheet says three carries for four yards, Greg. Uh, is there, is there anything to that in terms of his health? Is he the fact that he's not a part of their running game because they're a much better team when he's mixing it up? I don't think so because he ran so well a couple weeks ago. Now he did have that shoulder injury. And so maybe he's being a little more, apprehensive. He hasn't run a ton the last two weeks. I don't know what to make of him because he had a couple throws, including one to Delaney Walker, that were some of the prettiest throws I've ever seen. So you can't say like, it's not like he's just out of it, but he, he they just aren't scoring enough. And they're not going away. They have the, the Texans, the Cardinals, and the 49ers up next. So seven and four could become yeah. nine or ten wins if, if things go. When they were going to lose this game, I was thinking everyone's just been t- penciling in those two teams from the AFC South. You shouldn't do that. And I still don't think you should because it wouldn't shock me if they go one and four down the stretch. 
Like oh, it, they're it, perfectly capable of losing. Like I know the schedule's easy, could. but this is one of the games that you would think is easy, and they probably should have lost this game. Who's more likely to collapse of the two teams in the AFC? Well, I would go ten. Uh, Jacksonville Titans, has a su- has a Super Bowl level defense, as Wes said, Titans. and they'll. Th- I one thing about Jacksonville and maybe even Tennessee too is no matter what happens this season, incredible steps were made if you're Jacksonville. Incredible steps were made this season. Sure, sure. But what's more collapse-proof, a team with a great defense or a team with an actual I think the Jaguars have a legitimate thing you can hang your hat on. They have, an they ident- have talent. Yes. They have an identity. The Titans have zero identity. They're, right. they're supposed to be. The blueprint is to be a power running team, and they're not. They're anything but that. They somehow it, lost it in one off. If, if nothing else, if they want to feel better about something, their pass rush was way better today. It's been a problem all year, and they got after Jacoby Brissett from minute one. Everybody gets after Jacoby Brissett. Also, they won, and they're in first place. Yeah, that's fair. Well, they have a lot to feel good about, even though everything's not all well. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, they got that too. Great. Jimmy Graham play play is guy. wide to the right side. Now in motion is Lockett from right to left. Russell, empty backfield, takes a shotgun snap. He looks to Graham, fires. Ball is caught by Jimmy Graham. Touchdown, Seahawks. Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O with the call. That has become uh, a deadly play for the Seahawks now. You, you isolate Graham and just throw it up to him, and he just finds a way to get open. Jimmy Graham... Uh, caught his seventh touchdown pass in the last six weeks, and the Seahawks' defense had no problems uh, slowing down. Chris beat hard in a 24-13 win over the Niners at the Big Bell Bar. Chris beat hard? Chris beat hard. Chris? That's, that is Dan's interpretation of this man's life and career. <laughs> what, what, what do you want me to say? Is his name C.J. Beathard? <laughs> well, it's a, well, he's Chris. That's just a guess. Oh. And it's, Beat hard. Uh, you didn't know that's how it, you actually pronounce it? I didn't know that. It just took me half of a second to learn. His name is Casey Jarrett. <laughs> All right, so I'm way <laughs> off. But the beat hard thing I stand by. Anyway, that's a big bell bottom. Mark, uh, not a beautiful performance by the Seahawks, but you don't need to be beautiful to beat the Niners, at least with the beat hard involved. No, you, you pretty much just need to show up. Um, this game elicited, as Dan will know, multiple complaints a, a lot of groaning uh, over in Well, Sessler this Garner. was a rough game on the eyes. <laughs> if it you're really a fan was. of groaning, just go near Mark's desk around 5 p.m. every week. <laughs> I mean, this. I, listen, I'm looking for a good game, and 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 this was this was a. I think fans of either team were were tweeting back and saying, "I agree with you. This is a hard, the hard watch." I would say with the Seahawks, it's another first half where I just completely question what their offense is about. You are ultra reliant on Russell Wilson. He had about 80 yards passing in the first half. They were stuck in the mud. The Niners' defense, they, it doesn't look like it in the end, played a really nice first half and into the third quarter, and then it collapsed because your offense is completely non-functional and unwatchable. And the only glimmer of hope for San Francisco came in the final minutes, a minute and about eight seconds to go, your boy beat hard, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like he'll be all right, but he went down with a knee injury. He was beating hard there. There he was. Yep. In came Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy G. In a very quick, limited work, did a, had a beautiful rollout, had a wonderful completion, then threw a rocket touchdown with, <laughs> with no time left on the clock. I think it's Clutch. finally time. I don't know what you're waiting for. I, I get that it's a complex there. offense, but he automatically gave a spark. The, the whole stadium... They've been waiting all year for something to cling to, some version of excitement. The place lit up the minute he came on the field. You could feel the energy, and he generated points. You got to start him next year, next week. I don't know what you're doing if you don't. I don't know what you're doing. I say we we strike 
if they don't just start Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't have a dog in the fight, but just let the guy play. You have five more it's games to find fusion. out who he I is. don't know. <clears throat> I think the move here is you end the season with him having 100% completion, <laughs> a perfect passer rating. He's got a touchdown every second throw. That's going to build the optimism, with the, and you'll have the number one pick because your Beathard will be starting every week. It must be nice to have a franchise quarterback following your lap at the trade deadline. I can't imagine. Sorry, Mark, but oh, what Brown no, fans are thinking. Oh, no, it's it's because it, you, you very well likely could also end up with the number one pick, and then you have incredible power going it, into the offseason. It was great to see him on the field, and I tweeted uh, right after that play, he looks, he moves, he throws like a franchise quarterback, and then I got all these like goons. You know, give me a wrestling term, Lindsay, for like a goon. Give me something. Like curtain jerker? Yeah, a, a jobber. <laughs> a jobber. All these jobbers curtain coming jerker? after me. These yeah, curtain jerkers. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, a great analysis uh, based on two plays in garbage time. First of all, you know, F you. Number sure, one. let's Thank st- you. start there. Uh, 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 go F yourself. Uh, uh, okay. And, and number two, it's not just that play. It just he passes the smell test. And any team that needs a quarterback, and my team's one of them, would love to have that guy. Absolutely. He's going to be a player in this league. So I, let him play. The the Seahawks, I totally agree with you. And who knows? Maybe they would have had a chance to win if they started this game because the Seahawks right now are, are a strange team. I'm very curious to see how they are moving forward. They had to get this win. Curtain jerkers. <laughs> they had to get this win today, <laughs> but they're seven and four, and you got the Eagles, Jags, and Rams coming up next. You have a playoff. You have a, you have a pre-January playoff. In run. Jacksonville, and, I, and those teams all have really good front lines. I think it's going to be hard to move the ball consistently on those teams. If there's one thing to feel good about, the Seahawks' defensive line has picked it up the last couple weeks. They dominated against Atlanta. It ended up not mattering. Atlanta came, you know, overcame that, and they were hitting Beathard all game in this. They game. were purely dominant today. I just don't know what to. I think it's because we. It's a continuation of what we saw, but you're playing the worst offense in football. Beathard takes more hits than Brissett. It's easy to hit CJ Beathard. He, I, I know you like to compliment his toughness, and nobody should question it. But he is way too willing to take hits. Too fair. much Chris Bead hard talk. Let's move on. Here they come. Floats one up and caught by Patterson. What a throw! Brought down by Langley, he gets away. Go, Harlan. Side. Marshall can't get him. Harris tries to bring him down. What a play! 54-yard catch and run. Cordero Patterson. Oh, Kevin Harlan. Westwood won. Actually, that was the CBS telecast. With the call, Derek Carr floated a perfect touch pass over the middle to Cordell Patterson, Patterson, who made the catch, shook off a host of would-be tacklers, and salted away a 21-14 win for the Raiders over the Denver Bronco, the Broncos. The victory keeps the silver and blacks playoff hopes alive. Um, however, and you know, whatever, Denver's dead in the water. Uh, the Raiders, still not an inspiring effort. What people are going to talk about when they remember this game and what's going to pop up as, as the days unfold is uh, the slobber knocker that took place along the sidelines. We have the audio of that as well, don't we, Lindsay? He's able to trip him up and Marshawn with a good run. Now there's a fight over on the Broncos sideline. Michael Crabtree is fighting with Akeem Tlaib. Akeem Tlaib, I think, went at Michael Crabtree. It's a brawl over on the Broncos sideline. And they are really going at it. They are throwing punches here. Multiple guys are swinging, and officials also and now they're heard. still going and after now Michael Crabtree. Crabtree with now they're going after Crabtree. Is fighting a keep to lead. Crabtree's got his helmet off. 
They're all going to be ejected, Tom. Right, They're all going to be kicked out. Crabtree throwing punches, going after Tlaib. This has become a street fight. What is going on? Football on the radio oh, is great, but uh, I think TV is a medium where fights are best. <laughs> I don't know. That was pretty gig. exciting. But Greg Papa did a nice job there of KGMZ. Uh, a little background. You know how this fight started, by the way? Well, last year. It dates, yeah, it takes yeah, way back. Well, no, that, that was the origin story, yes. Okay. Uh, with the chain being ripped off. Do you know how this fight started today? They were just looking to start a fight. Akeem it was going to happen no matter Akeem what. Akeem Tlaib ripped off Michael Crabtree's chain again. And it, and it made me think. Michael Crabtree probably thought to himself the entire in the locker room before the game, this guy's coming after my chain. And he probably thought to himself, maybe I won't wear my chain. But then he thought to himself, uh, I'm the man. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to wear my chain. And he made that decision. He probably stood in the mirror and was like, I tuck my chain in my pads. He won't be able to get it, but he'll be able to see <laughs> that I'm wearing it. Does he wear it every game? Well, what I'm saying, Greg, is that he had the opportunity to say, I'm not going to wear my chain today. But he made the decision, I'm going to wear this chain because right. <laughs> he did not okay. want to lose that mental warfare battle with Aqib Tlaib. But then it played out in the worst case scenario. He grabs it anyway, Tlaib does, and no pronouns. And that leads to a brawl of epic proportions, people getting kicked out, both Tlaib and Crabtree, an important game for the Raiders. Uh, they're uh, number one or two wide receiver getting thrown out of the game. Uh, what a... a, a it was a slobber knocker, Wes. What is going on? Am I the only one that thinks it's a bizarre idea to wear something valuable like a chain in a football game? Why are you wearing jewelry in a football game? <laughs> I, I I agree, though. If that's what you do, you can't let... A, Wes with a dad take, and I like it. You it's can't not let a dad take. <laughs> it makes no sense to me to wear something valuable that can be ripped off in a physical contact sport. You it's a status I mean, logically, he is, take, Wes is dead on. Save your status symbol for the street or wherever you want to hang out. Go win a football game. Care about your teammates and your coaches, not just your jewelry. Wait. So we're, we're somehow blaming Crabtree <laughs> for... Yes, why are you wearing jewelry in a football off? game? And if nothing else, Crabtree showed some uh, valor uh, driving to leave 20 yards into the sideline before getting attacked by like seven different Raiders teammates. And speaking of valor, then Marshawn Lynch, like Marshawn Lynch, I'm going to make a spectacle of myself. I'm going to leave, uh, uh, lead a keep to leave through the Raiders bench to make sure everything plays out safely. It's like, all right. That's his thing it. this year, right? <laughs> yeah, we get it, buddy. You're a hero. Next level peacemaker. Anyway, and not much else to say from the game um, other than uh, Paxton Lynch's first start of the season was a nightmare. He completed 9 of 14 passes, 41 yards, an interception, um, and then he left the game with an ankle injury, which appeared like it could be serious. He wants to play next week. He hopes to play. But he was also, he was also tearing up on the sideline. He was in a sideline. bad place on the he bench. He seemed to be in a weird place emotionally. Uh, he was sacked four times. So we'll see what happens. Uh, be in a him. weird place if you couldn't burn the worst secondary in the NFL. Maybe, just maybe, the Broncos will play their best quarterback <laughs> right. the first time in a month. Simeon comes in. I'm not saying like he's – the best quarterback ever and he throws two touchdowns 140 yards he gets some points late late in the game and this is a game that did matter for the Raiders like they don't feel like a team that's in the mix but they're one game back the the AFC West is now a three-team race between the Chiefs who are in total free fall and the Chargers and Raiders who are only one game back at five and six forget about the Chargers trying to make a run for a wild card the Raiders and Chargers got to be thinking as bad as this 11 games has gone and Amari Cooper got hurt in this game too. As bad as it's gone, we could be one. we could have a home playoff game. Forget even a wild card. We can be a home team 
in the wild card round with the playoff game. Oakland right controls there. its own destiny, and they have the sure. Giants, Chiefs, and Cowboys in their next three games. This is the division. You want another reason to cancel summer? coverage of the NFL. We, we spent all summer telling you why this was by far the best division in football. Please. Well, watch just like if you're a, a, a Titans fan, unless you're a total homer, you'll struggle uh, to be totally pumped coming out of this game. I feel similar about this game. Um, they, I didn't think the Raiders played extremely well. And, and They're not a good team. They just are not having a good season. One last note. The streak is over, guys. The Raiders got an interception. That's right. They got an interception. And it was, and Historical it, streak. It ended a um, 11 games uh, before they got their first one. The record, by the way, was seven games. So it wasn't even close. They blew it away. All right, moving on. I did want to mention uh, Vic, Vic Taffer, who, who covers the Raiders, has for a long time declared that Pax – yeah, he's covered football for decades, I believe. He said Paxton Lynch is the worst quarterback he's ever seen play. There's been a lot of wow, – statement. A, that's a – that's, bubbling yeah. underground talk to that seems about a little this strong guy. after a half that includes <laughs> Andrew Walter <laughs> there a lot of this stuff I think is tied into what's what are people talking about behind the scenes about Paxton Lynch and none of it's good and he's not off to a rip-roaring start you got some triple sources on that you've been digging some dirt ah, I've heard some things from multiple sources all right don't worry about it, Lindsay I don't need it right now Let's move on. <laughs> First down. Could have used it. I would have taken it. Mixing down you to the five. I would have definitely taken it. Touchdown, Bengals! As Mixon takes it the final eleven yards, that should be coffin nails. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Dan Horton, Dave Lapham. Absolutely. W e b n. With the call, Joe Mixon finally had his breakout game. Yes, one day after I released him from my fantasy squad. The rookie uh, had a career-high 114 yards and scored an important touchdown there as the Bengals closed out the Browns, a 30-16 to win. Uh, as for the Browns, they will enter December without a win for the second straight year. <sighs> Mark, you felt this was going to be the week for the Browns, but the Cincinnati Bengals instead kept their playoff hopes alive. In a fit of, yeah, in a fit of utter delusion. I tried to up. help you. I tried to stop you. You did. Thursday. You did. You know that I, I I border into senseless regions when it comes to, like, thinking about this team. I don't even Wednesday think that was your Thursday. lock. You just got annoyed by whatever Dan was saying. And Lindsay knows I had to. a different team locked up. <laughs> no, I just, you, I, it wasn't something I did. No, it was, I just not, said I picked Cincinnati, and I'm Mark's not, like, what? No, I'm not. <laughs> You're picking against my winless team? <laughs> I'm not. I honestly thought Cleveland had a shot because I, just because the Bengals have been so uninspired. And what we got today, I think, was the most well-rounded performance that Cincinnati has produced in months. And, I mean, really, especially on the ground. This has been an, the, the league's easily the league's worst ground game. And 152 yards against a six-ranked Browns run defense, which is a little bit of a mirage. But they just ran over Cleveland from the very beginning. You got the best game all season from Deshaun Kaiser, and the game was never really even close. It didn't really even matter. What does that say? I mean, I'm just saying that Cleveland didn't turn a ball over seven times and kind of just lay this up. It's just that Cincinnati... They had 400 yards. They, they, Cincinnati, like, when they needed... They came out of the half, for instance, and they were up 16-6, to six, and instead of you know, having an Andy Dalton-esque mistake or you know, getting stopped by Cleveland, they rolled right down the field on what I believe was a powerful 10-play drive that basically just featured the run, and that... The game at that point was completely over. Are one of these teams that hasn't looked good that we're banging on, like the Titans or Raiders or Bengals, that like it, are any of them going to be able to change who they are 
down the stretch. Because as much as we're given credit for the Chargers starting 0-4, getting to 5-6, and 6, the Bengals started 0-3, and, and they're at 5-6, and 6, and they're kind of in that mix now, too. It, there's a lot of AFC teams. They're ahead of where, the Chargers. Where, right? I take the Chargers over it. this team. I would, I would too. But and in, the Ravens. The Ravens are yeah. much better than the Bengals. I agree. Bengals won't go do this week after week. I want to say there was one crazy call because I saw this happen a couple times today uh, where Jabril Peppers came firing. They had a chance to get back into this game late. Peppers came firing across the field on a on, was this guy Malone on the Bengals. What was his name? Some guy. Sam. Malone. Sam Malone. Not Sam Malone. Rookie wide receiver. Yeah, rookie wide receiver Malone. Malone. And the, he basically separated Malone from the ball, and they called him for hitting a defenseless player. And it's simply not what the, I expected the rule to be at all. And then two two minutes later, in another game, the same exact thing happens, and the call is not made. Well, if we're going to take umbrage with bad calls, they took another touchdown away from my boy Austin Severian Jenkins today on the infernal catch rule. Go F yourself, Kevin. Well, just then we saw Case Keenum getting flagged for taunting where he casually flipped the ball on Thanksgiving when he's on the ground. So I just, this one's still on your No, there's too, mu- there's too much inconsistency <laughs> where t- something is taunting in one game, hit on a defenseless player, catch, no catch. Come on. I, I, to me, people keep searching for why ratings are down or whatever. Mm. In more consistent officiating, starting with the catch rule, which I believe turns a lot of fans off. Gross. Yep. Um, all right. And now a word from our sponsor, Fathead. Real big wall <laughs> decals are life-size action images that you could stick on any smooth surface. Choose from hundreds of officially licensed athletes, team logos, and entertainment images. Hmm. Strange. Uh, or create your own with our customizable options. This is picture Greg's dorm room in the early 2000s. Fatheads everywhere. Yeah, uh, Carmen Electra, uh, a, a big, a big Sean King yeah. poster, Moel D. Moore, Sherman Douglas, Mo-Well-D-Moore. Ellis Burks. It's all happening. Nicole Eggert. <laughs> I like to play some to the annoyance of my wife in our kitchen. Multiple versions. A Jamie Presley fathead in Rosenthal's uh, dorm. Anyway, made of durable vinyl. You can move and reuse. Fathead wall graphics are better, bigger, and tougher than that old-school poster. Yeah, Mark, you like the past. You dream about the past, but forget about these old-school posters. No, of course. Or stickers. Let's move on. Designed and printed in the USA, your Fathead wall decor. There's a little accent over the E. Is sure to amaze. (laughs) So go to www.fathead.com slash around to place your order and get 20% mm. off site-wide. Fathead! Let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. Bell gets a rest for the moment. James Conner, the rookie from the University of Pittsburgh, is in there with a chip block. Down the sideline. Caught on the run by Antonio Brown. Touchdown. Chris Boswell drills a 53-yard Field goal at the gun. The difference in a 31-28 win for the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Green Bay Packers at Heinz Field, uh, a game in which Ben Ben Roethlisberger, uh, I guess, kind of to a draw. I was going to say out-dueled Brett Hundley, but Brett Hundley had a nice game, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger, however, threw four touchdowns. 
uh, Greg Rosenthal, uh, and the Steelers at the end of the day, a, a big scare here, down 21-14 in the second half, but they get the win, they close out the, uh, the game, and they are now 9-2. and two. A, a game effort by the Packers, so I don't know if this is playing down to your opponent. It seemed like the Packers kind of played up on, at some point, but the fact that Antonio Brown has now made us used to making an insane play at the end of the game. We're watching this game. We're all fired up watching it. Mark Sessler's, you know, he's rooting against the Steelers. They get the ball back with 26 seconds left, and Mark says, okay, here comes the 30, uh, 35-yard ridiculous sideline throw to Antonio Brown, and that's exactly what happens the next play. He delivers it. Yeah, and it's uh, I, he is the star among star wideouts in our league, along with, as Wes, you guys were all talking about it, Julio Jones makes you put him up there somewhere in the level with a Randy Moss of old. But Antonio Brown does this so often that it's unfair almost. Like, I'm not surprised, but his incredible athleticism and skill is something that, like, is he redefines what you think of a wide receiver doing for Pittsburgh's offense. But it's not shocking when it happens to me. Scott, the last two weeks, he's got 300 yards and five touchdowns <laughs> on 19 catches. That's amazing. Two of Two of the best games of the season and, by anyone. And they're catches that almost no one Incredible. else can make. Yeah, the the play along the sideline, the 23-yard gain, uh, to start the winning drive, I mean, to get his toes down, to keep possession, I mean, very rare, rare very few wide receivers can do that. And then the very next play, the whole world knows this is where Roethlisberger is looking. He gets open, and he gets open with, so, with such ease, a 14-yarder to get them in field goal range. So, yeah, it kind of overshadows what, what uh, West was real progress uh, for Brett Hundley. This is what the Packers were hoping for uh, when they put him in a few weeks ago, hoping to keep their season afloat. It didn't work out, uh, but this was a nice uh, step forward for him. So the best game of the year, probably by far, and it all goes for naught because the season slipped away. You could argue that the season slipped away when Aaron Rodgers went down, but they still were holding on in some hope there. I think the rest of the season, you probably just hope that Brett Hundley builds on this and maybe you feel more comfortable about your backup situation entering next year. Well, when they showed that pregame footage of Rodgers warming up and he's throwing the ball 50 yards and he's eligible to come off you know, IR in three weeks. Don't you, do it. You start thinking, well, I don't think he's going to do it because they won't be in contention most likely. But, you, you know, when they tie this game up or they're leading the game, you start thinking, well, if they can go two and one over these next three weeks, if they can win in Pittsburgh, may, that, that's very doable. Then he could come back and save the season. So a lot was riding on the, that last sequence. And I'm not going to kill Mike McCarthy for not going for two. But, uh, like, was anyone surprised that Ben Roethlisberger ended up getting getting it done? I, I would have liked to see him go for two. I, I'm with you. I mean, we I again, respect to the Steelers, but we've seen them do this so often. It's it's their identity, and it's a, it's a good one for them. And you have to take them seriously in the AFC. I, I have doubts still that when they encounter New England a few weeks from now that I think we're going to find out if Pittsburgh is up to that, that task. I, I would gamble they are, that they are not, but we will see. That's shaping up as the game of the year in the AFC because – uh, the home field ramifications in the playoffs. And, yeah, I like the Steelers to have a chance against the Patriots if they're in their building in the playoffs. But if it's on the road, I feel like the Pats are in a great spot. So uh, that is going to be such a huge game and one to really look forward to in what otherwise has been a down year for the AFC. One negative, uh, and I don't want to take anything away from Hundley in this game, but they kind of bun- they, they bungled the clock at the end uh, by going out of bounds and also Hundley snapped the ball um, uh, didn't run the, the play clock down enough. That's what gave the Steelers the extra timeout 
and a few extra seconds to make things happen. So they didn't execute, and they got burned for it And against a very good Steelers team. That's going to happen. Greg, now you, you went on a, a quite an impressive national campaign to have this game removed from our eyeballs at night, yeah. and it wound up being arguably the game of the day. Do you feel that... Uh, what are your takeaways? What lessons have you learned Stinging. personally from that? Well, I'm glad that they listened to the podcast and they felt personally challenged to give us a <laughs> show responded. on Sunday Night Football. Sure. The Packers haven't shown us anything for four or five weeks, and uh, they delivered a, a great game. So You're taking credit winners. for this game, are you? I'm saying they responded to my motivation, yes. Okay. One of several games that went down to the wire and a good day of football, and we'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate the Toronto Argonauts. Winners, Whoa. winners of the 105th Greg Cup, former Texans wide receiver Devere Posey was the MVP. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Played in a blizzard, too. I love this. Did you say we'd be remiss? Yeah, the Greg Cup, come on. People I say mean, that we ignore Canada. We do. If, Under five years of history, that's nothing to sneeze at. If, if Dan can start building entire new bits ripping off Chris Berman, why can't uh, Chris Wessling bring up the CFL just like Chris Berman would I always shoehorn into every broadcast? I didn't mention the Rouge. And by the way, it was I, mean, I don't rip off Berman. You know, it's a uh, it's an homage. Yeah, it's very important to put that out there. Fair. An homage or a homage. <laughs> no, I like I like the previous <laughs> at the big bell bottom. <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. So, Greg, that was humbling for you, but uh, they send you to one game and megalomania setting in. You, that you're saying that is all. Thank you, America. You want you you want to give a gift to America? Yeah. Finally, there was a great Sunday night football game between two historical. Uh, franchises, and you know they got the motivation from me. All right, let's uh, in your face. <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's let's call it let's call it a show. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Lindsey Bolton behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 